I, th- I think we need to look into a round two Sipes tray. We'll put sure. to- Tony and Brandon can be the, the Sipes girls. <laughs> <laughs> that would totally sell <laughs> as I shake my head now. This week, we're joined by Lauren Mack of Sipes Brewing. This is episode 113 of The Malting Hour. What's the hat sound the hops guy yeast that's beast? This the Malting Hour where we talk about our drink and tell you what we think every other week. And if we get drunk, well, we might slur our speech. Got the gift of gab, the friends you wish you had. Join us for a drink, join us for a laugh. Time is never wasted, where you getting wasted? The Malting Hour here, people, people take your places. People, people take your places. Welcome to the Malting Hour. I am one of your hosts, Tony Gluck, joined always with Brandon Whittinger. Brandon, how you doing? Good, man. How are you? Pretty good. We're recording on a Monday. Yeah. We're recording on a night or a day that we normally just post. Yeah. I don't, have we ever recorded on a Monday? Probably, like... I don't think so. I would say years ago, but it was like not that long ago. But maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> we were just discussing how yeah. long we've been doing it, this. It's a special night. <laughs> Ooh, and that voice. Who are we joined with? Who is that voice? You tell us. Lauren Mack. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was, that was trying to segue you into that. Uh, what, thank you for joining us, Lauren. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. This is a real thrill. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're excited. Uh, we've been trying to get this together for how long now? It's been a little bit, but we're here now. started in like March-ish, yeah. maybe end of February. Yeah. And there was like some back and forth, and we talked about doing this at a tavern, and then... This works better. Yes. In most situations because you know you're not dealing with noise and other things totally. like that. It's a home tavern. Yeah. yeah. I mean right. we are the, we are the multi hour studios as you all know it is a bar. <laughs> Still have great the, service here yeah. at the multi hour. Big vinyl tap. sticker on my wall. It's official. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, Lauren, why don't you tell us why you're joining us here in the studios in the basement in Jefferson Park. <laughs> <laughs> that is a question I'm asking myself. <laughs> no, Don't worry, I'm you're, not the, you're not the first person. Who knows. <laughs> Are they going to be comfortable joining us down here? We'll talk about that. Yes, later. very comfortable. <laughs> I am joining you all because I love uh, meeting people who love beer, and I love talking about uh, beer with people who like to talk about beer and history. Um, and it's all made even better when it's in Chicago and talking about Chicago beer history. Just sort of the trifecta, I think, of things that I enjoy talking about. So when I got a message from Brandon, I thought, this sounds fantastic, and let's do it. So yeah. here I am. Awesome. Um, so what, I don't think we've said it yet. I have not. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what brewery in specific, uh, specifically are we talking about today? <laughs> um, I don't know why I think this is all so funny, but... The <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're really just leaning into be as I told you. I'm like just talking, just talking. Like say we just met. That's kind of like how I feel. Like oh hey, how's it going? So tell me. So gentlemen, I'm coming to you from the Conrad Site Brewing Company, which is a brewing company that I restarted after my great 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 grandfather three Conrad Stipe, Stipe. Yeah. Yes, three greats. Um, Conrad Stipe started it in 1854, which was a long time ago. Uh, and he he was an immigrant from Germany. A lot of people were coming from Germany at that time. Things were really bad um, in that part of the world in the 1850s. And he came. He was not a brewer. He was a um, – his dad was a farmer, and I think he also had some carpentry skills. So he got to Chicago through um, New York, through Rochester, and he had to figure out how to survive. He picked up um, a woman that he uh, made his wife in 
Uh, that sounds funny. He got married, I should say. I think <laughs> that's the proper terminology. <laughs> he physically picked her up. Be my he wife. found his beloved wife <laughs> in go. Rochester. Yeah. There we are. Back on track. <laughs> and moved to um, moved to Chicago and just tried to figure out, like immigrants do, how to survive and defeat mm-hmm. his family. And so he started off um, driving a beer wagon for the Miller brothers. Not the Miller brothers, but Another. some Millers who were brothers. And then he um, tried his hand at farming, and he ran a hotel, and finally he came into um, a brewery and and decided that that's what he was going to do. He was going to start a brewery in Chicago, which was a good idea, because at that time in Chicago, there weren't that many people, and there were a lot of people who were going to be coming to Chicago. Little did he know it was going to um, really turn into one of uh, the biggest boom towns in America. Yeah. Right place, right time. Right place, right time, for sure. That being said, things were pretty rough, um, especially at the beginning. And I think we sometimes forget about this when you hear about the end game with someone. If you think about it, he comes to America. He probably doesn't speak much English sure. at all. Um, figures out how to make things happen. Um, he's also coming at a time when the country, his new country, is goes to civil war against each other. Um, trying to, you know, I'm sure make sense of all that. And then he starts this brewery, and within a year, the brewery burns down. Because in those days, breweries were always burning down. They were usually made out of wood, and sure. all the tanks were wood, and they were using fire and to heat everything up. So I heard Chicago had a bad fire. <laughs> Chicago had a pretty bad At fire, At one too. point, yeah, it's not a big deal. <laughs> we can just He did not that. start that one, I will tell no, you that. The brewery, <laughs> sur- the brewery did survive that fire. Well, yeah, this is true. Because he had a brick one by that time. That was, hey, man, don't jump ahead in the story. <laughs> that was very, very bad luck for Chicago and, and pretty good luck for Sipe. Um, but his his brewery burnt down in 1855. He also lost a few children then, because I, I don't oh, know yeah. if you all know, but that was like the, the cholera outbreak yeah. of 1855. I mean, I'm saying yes, like I know, but I just, things were terrible. Things were bad. Yeah. Things were bad. Um, but what I, what I really have, um, what I really love about Conrad is no matter how bad things were, he just kept moving forward. And I think that's something that I really, when I'm feeling stressed and overwhelmed, I just think, what would Conrad do? He would just keep moving forward. And it, I find that to be very uh, inspirational. Sure. So he kept moving forward. He rebuilt the brewery, this time just like the three little pigs out of bricks. <laughs> <laughs> so it would not burn down so easily. Um, and he started making beer, and he started making a lot of it. And he got some um, infusion of capital so he could make and even expand his brewery. And by the time the... Chicago Fire rolled through. Not the soccer team. We're talking Not about the soccer team. They were going to come soon. But the actual fire, he was already one of the biggest brewers in Chicago. And then when the fire literally burnt up half of his competition, I think there were 12 breweries and it burnt down six of them. And his brewery didn't burn down because it was at 27th and Cottage Grove, which is far below the fire line, far to the south. And it was also right on the lake. Yeah. So it was just luck, you know, location, location. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. So you're saying a lot of breweries burned down, but his didn't. (laughs) You're saying Barnabas had nothing to do with this? We're not starting. No, okay, we're not starting. Yes, Brandon, that's exactly (laughs) what I'm saying. I mean, that's pretty pretty impressive, though, because I think around that time in the 1870s, he was doing like 100,000 barrels a year. And that is insane. There's breweries now that are 
in Chicago that have that are very popular and don't do anywhere near that. Oh yeah, for sure. He was making a tremendous amount of beer. He made even more as time went on. And I think we sometimes forget that people were just drinking a tremendous amount of beer in those days. If you think about just the workers alone who are rebuilding the city, and that's why we call Sipes Beer the beer that built Chicago. Because as Chicago was being built after the fire, they're just guzzling Sipes Beer because that was safe to drink. It was local and available. And why would you drink Schlitz when you can drink Sipes, right? I like that. Is that that an actual (laughs) quote? (laughs) No. I mean, I don't dislike Schlitz, but... No, but yeah. you just like Sipes Absolutely. better, right, Terry? Absolutely. Hey, you... Hey, <laughs> cheers. Thanks for bringing all that stuff for us today. <laughs> it's funny that, you put it like, out of all, all the breweries, like, Schlitz is the one that's kind of synonymous with Chicago, just because yep. there's all the tide houses that, right. that were... They did a great job capitalizing on Chicago's and I, I, I misfortune. Wish, yeah, and I wish there was other breweries that had that, that, like, still stood around, you know? But, yeah. like... For some reason, it's all the Schlitz ones that are still there. And it's that's a cool piece of history. But, right. yeah, I mean, I like the story a little bit. I mean, there's a lot of stories with all these breweries, but the, the Sipe one's pretty... Yeah, this story in particular is super interesting. And more so that... Once, well, we didn't even get to the end of the story. I was, I was going to jump, jump ahead. Sorry. I'll, I'll, we'll, so after the Chicago fire, there's so much to talk I know, about. I know. It's exciting. Well, yeah, I didn't. Well, actually, before we remember this, we left off at the Chicago fire. Yeah. And we're going to jump into Brandon. You opened up which beer? I don't remember. Oh, the extra, the extra pale Pilsner, right? My, That's right. That was a really good one to start drinking. Yeah. This was the first beer I tried from Sipes, and. My buddy Phil, who he and I, every now and then, he used to be a very big beer guy, and then stopped being into beer, and he's a very cool dude. Uh, and then got into bourbon, and he had like this very big like bourbon collection. Also he, delicious. Absolutely. Uh, and his, his, I still need to bring Brandon to his house, because we need to do an episode with him. It's obnoxious. like, And he doesn't drink as much bourbon as he does anymore, and now he just has bottles that he's like collecting. He's like, when he has people over, he's like... Have whatever you'd like. Pour some. No one's Sounds be like, like a great friend to have. Yeah, he's great. Well, so he and I would do bourbon vinyl nights where we would I'd bring over some records and he has some records, and we would listen to one side of record and switch to another record and go back and forth and we were drinking bourbon. And then one time he invited me over and we just hung out in his yard and he asked me if I ever had this uh, the extra pale pilsner because. He is a big fan of going to Metropolitan. Oh, Phil, I love this guy. Phil's great. He's so great. Uh, and he had told me the, he, he actually gave me the backstory because he found out about it because he asked a lot of questions and he found out about it. And he was, like I said, he wasn't very much, he, got, he was big in IPAs, then stopped liking IPAs. Like Stouts, not so much anymore. Then finding Metropolitan, be like, oh, here's a whole bunch of like German style lagers. And then having this here, you know, a whole nother beer. He was, of course, interested and brought a six-pack home, and we were drinking it the first time I had it. And then I started noticing it at Benny's and learning a little bit more about it. So that was my first introduction. Through Phil. I really appreciate I that. Thank I, you, Phil. I will let Phil know. <laughs> and I also really appreciate Phil's taste in beer, because Metropolitan is an excellent brewery. And they make fantastic German-style beers. I feel so lucky that I was connected to them through Liz Garibay, who is the director and the founder of the Chicago Bruseum. Awesome. And I feel I call her my beer fairy godmother sometimes because <laughs> without that connection, I'm not sure where things would be today. So I feel very lucky that those stars aligned. Yeah, I feel like that's probably 
the best brewery to be connected to. I might. agree. I mean, if Dovetail was, I mean, not Dovetail, if uh, Double Clutch was open at the time, I'd say maybe those guys too, because they're great. Double Clutch out in Evanston. And Dovetail does. Well, I mean, Dovetail German. as well, yeah. yeah. I mean, Dovetail's great, sure. I was Absolutely. also thinking about Double Clutch because I love them so much. Um, all right. So, Brandon, have you ever had this beer before? Um, I don't. I know you've had the Bach. I know you had the Bach at the Meals on Wheels. Yeah. What was what was the other one? If it was this, I don't know. Yeah. What yeah. are your impressions? Though? Yeah. Uh, I enjoy it. It's. It's reminiscent of like the, it's a cleaner version of like the the beers you grew up on, like you know, like if you were drinking like an MGD or something like Dude, that. But it's like on that. that's exactly cleaner. What, um, mm. It doesn't feel like it's sitting as heavy like when I drink it, um, and it's so well balanced. Like it's it's a very well balanced beer. I like the happiness in it and. It's not like a super strong happiness, but you really can pick yeah. up on a really nice bitterness that I feel like makes me want to go back to it. Because it is. It's a light, easy drinking beer. It does remind me of like days of yore uh, or even like modern day <laughs> Pilsners, but it has like a classic taste to it. Like, I don't know. The, the bitterness is, is what sells me on this particular Beer. This is definitely a, wait till we get to the buck. This is a beer that definitely um, helps IPA drinkers drink lagers because yes. I feel like the hop content makes them feel comfortable, um, which is important. We want to make those IPA drinkers feel comfortable. Yeah. Join us, hopheads. <laughs> but this one was we decided to make Sipes Extra Pale first. When I say we, I mean um, Doug Hurst, myself, and Liz Garibay, and Tracy Hurst. Um, because we wanted to make one of Sipes' most popular beers, which Sipes Extra Pale most certainly was. We also knew we were going to be releasing this beer in the summertime, and everybody loves a good Pilsner in the summertime. Good thinking. Um, and it was also a real challenge. You know, Doug's always up for a challenge. He's such a masterful brewer. He loved the idea of making a pre-prohibition Pilsner because no one else was making them, and it was cool to see what people might have been drinking way before way before prohibition yeah. I, I think the idea of a pre-prohibition pilsner is we call it that so people have a way to place it in their own understanding of beer but you can be sure that conrad sype would have rolled over in his grave if he knew the <laughs> prohibition was going to be in his future he just thought of it this as an extra pale <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah it, it's it's i like that I, I think that's why i liked it too because of the idea of knowing that you know the whole say, you know, this is the beer that built Chicago and knowing that it's such an older, an old beer. And like, that's what you guys came like. That made me more excited and interested in trying it. And so getting to taste that, it's like tasting history. You know, I love that. That's exactly um, how I feel about it. And I think what's nice about site beer is that we, um, we want to connect with the past, but we want to enjoy the present. That's kind of, that's one of our mottos. And I think that that the, one of like the main one of the main questions I get is, oh, is this the original original recipe? And the answer is no, it's not. So That's I, gonna be my next question. <laughs> my, gotcha, Brandon. Um, we uh, I did not Conrad did not hand down through history a you know beautifully um, <laughs> antiqued piece of paper with German handwriting on it, which is a bummer. That would have been awesome, cool. yeah. but. Um, in a way, that's kind of nice because it gives us the opportunity to think about what the beer would have been like, but also to make a beer that we want to drink now. Right. Because people only go to Williamsburg once, but hopefully they drink Sipes beer a lot because they like it now. And it's not just sort of a throwback to the old days. True. 
And I, I think that we also made a beer that's very similar to how it would have been made, meaning we're using Lake Michigan water. That's the main ingredient. I think it's a lot cleaner now than it was then. Um, which is wild. Which is good. <laughs> Yay. And then we're also using Saz and Cluster hops. I was going to ask what hops we were using. Saz was actually, it, it said on the label made with Bohemian hops. So we know on the historic label. Mm. Um, so we know that that was Saz. And then we know that Cluster was the kind of hop that was really around in the Midwest during that time. So you oh. can only imagine if you can't get the Saz hops from Bohemia, you would just grab some local cluster Cluster, and and throw those in. And then we were using, we used six row barley um, and added flaked corn. And that was a really specific thing because when the Pilsner revolution hit Europe, everyone in America was trying to make this like famed, light, (laughs) crisp, delicious, sparkling drink. And we couldn't make it happen because we didn't have the right barley. It was just way too proteiny, sort of globular. But we realized that we could make the pilsners they were drinking in Europe by adding a little bit of flaked corn or, in some cases, rice. And so that was the the origins of the American adjunct lager. And I think it's important to, to know that, that we didn't just start adding stuff to beer because we were, like, trying to be cheap. Like Check this they out. Probably, we could save money like this. <laughs> like some companies might do now. Yeah. But instead, it was trying us, to make good beer. And I, I really respect that. And I also think that it that you can taste it when you drink the extra pale. It just got this really great sort of round sweetness to it that I think that balance you were speaking of, Brandon, I think really comes through. Yeah. And then I think the the corn, well, corn and rice too, like especially, and I know for the home brewing stuff, does wonders for like the clarity of a beer too. Right. So um, not only like, I, did you say you're using corn? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because I think that, I think corn adds the, a nice sweetness. Yep. Rice doesn't really do much except for... I mean, it adds like, it's a cheap... Sure, carbohydrate to be yeah. added to the beer. But I, I feel like the, the there's never enough, it, like you'd have to put a ton in there for there like to be noticeable like flavor change. It like complements very well, I think. But corn, I usually, you can tell like, you know, even, not, I'm not saying small amounts, but like when you're using it as it should be used in a beer, um, there's, that, there's a specific sweetness to it. Absolutely. That I enjoy. And I was going to ask you about which hops uh, were used. And when you said cluster... That made sense of where the hoppiness is coming from because the size hops, obviously, you get like a nice, uh, that that is a very common German hop used in, in German lagers. And Cluster, I mean, I think the first time I came across Cluster, there was a Lagunitas uh, specific beer that used Cluster. And it's, I mean, Lagunitas has, you know, they have really hoppy beers. Yeah. So I, I just, you know, put Cluster in as a like high alpha acid uh, hop. So that's... That's awesome to hear that that's what that's where that bitterness I feel like is is coming from. This is a very good beer. I like it. I agree. I drink a tremendous amount of this beer and I it's our it's my firstborn. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so when people say, "Which is your favorite beer, Lauren?" I I demurely say, "I love them all, but really." I mean, that's like, you know, parents who have multiple kids. I know my mom says she loves me and my sister equally. <laughs> but she... I know the truth. I'm the youngest. It's okay. <laughs> Your sister wins. <laughs> I mean, you'd think that, but yeah. <laughs> okay, so the Chicago fire has happened. Yes, back in time. Here we go. Grab Brandon, your beer. There, wait, actually, real quick, is there still more in that can? I'd like to. There is more in that can. That one. That one. That one. Too. It's the winner. I just want a little bit more. Okay, sorry. Anyways, going back in time. So the Chicago fire 
It sucks. I mean, imagine what it'd be like if your friends and colleagues lost their livelihood. Um, Conrad kept making beer, um, kept growing his business until he became one of the biggest breweries in America in the 1870s, which is, you know, a pretty big deal. It's no small feat. And he stayed, um, he stayed, his brewery stayed one of the biggest breweries really until Prohibition. Um, certainly in Chicago and, and definitely a competitor on the national scene as well. They, um, he died in 1890, about a year and a half after he and his second wife, his first wife, died of pneumonia. Again, just sort of showing how hard life is in those days. People just died a lot. Um, they had built a house in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, right up um, overlooking the lake. And um, he only had about 18 months to enjoy it, but it was a summer cottage that he built for his family. He had a big family. He had three surviving children from his first wife and then five surviving children from his second wife. So he had, there were tons of people around. He just, you know, like a good German loved to entertain, and they built this house to get out of the city in the hot summer. Um, and the nice thing is, is you all can still go visit it. It was given um, by my great uncle in 2007, I think, the house to the state of Wisconsin. And it had been pretty much exactly the same since when oh. Conrad built it. We are not a family who changes much ever. <laughs> and so um, it's just a really great way to connect with Conrad and that time, time in history. Uh, and you can take a boat ride to visit it. Um, and take a tour, and just see what <laughs> see what see what life was like in 1888. There's a small chance that in two weeks I'm going to be up in Lake Geneva. So now I've got. Uh, oh, now we've got something on your itinerary. Mm-hmm. It's called the no, it's called the Black Point Estate and Gardens. All right, I'll remember that when I edit this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to watch the. There's a a YouTube video I think both of us found when we were doing some like searching, and it's some guy who does like travel stuff for Wisconsin. Oh, cool! Um, and he was in the house. No and, way! And um, didn't do a tour of the house, but he was. He it was like a it's like a four minute video, but he talks about like how the you know, Conrad had it built, and then it was you know in the family until I think he said 2005 regardless uh and then after was that guy now you know given to the state but he said you know one of the things you can't do is take a a visit to the brewery but he he had a book from the um world's World's fair Fair. yeah Mm. which they put out like a printed book of like all the stuff about the brewery so he went through like page by page kind of like talking about the process and like you know what everything would look like you know back then which was kind of neat um but yeah, it's like a four-minute video. We can link it if people are interested. But yeah. that that is a a great segue into what happened next with uh, sort of the Sipe story, which is the eighteen ninety three World's Fair happened, and Sipe passed away. He died from pneumonia complications, I think, from diabetes, and his son and family members took over, and there was also um, a big influx of capital from a British holding company that combined Sipe and a couple of malting companies and a few other breweries together. Um, but Sipe was able to just keep running as sort of an independent brewery. And so when the World's Fair rolled around, 
Um, Sipe was had been in operation for 40 years already. They were the brewery in Chicago. And so they sold beer at the World's Fair. And that um, little pamphlet you were talking about, I feel so dumb. I should have brought it tonight because I have a great um, copy of it, which I'll get to you guys. Um, but it's just this wonderful promotional booklet of um, what the site brewery looked like and then of what the beers that they were promoting Extra Pale was described um, in this booklet, and so was the Columbia, which is, I think, um, a great beer that we can try next. I, I'm, I'm so, you know what? You should host your own podcast, too, because <laughs> that was a great... I was about to... to I, was, I know Brandon's doing something uh, as we're recording, but I was about to motion to him, like, this is it, because I know that the Bach was the a part of... Uh, did, did you just shut everything down? Yeah. <laughs> I just saw the light. I saw the reflection on your face, the light. And I'm like, so we're not recording anymore. Um, do you want to grab that, Brandon? Yeah. Do you have a story? So like, uh, before we get into that, uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, let's take a quick, I don't know, am I drinking barely? Uh, let's take a quick <laughs> no. break. We'll be right back. Talk more uh, with Lauren and about Sipes beer. And we're going to drink this Bach. We'll Sounds be, good. We'll be Bach. <laughs> you had to do that. <laughs> And we're back. No. <laughs> you just can't get enough. <laughs> ah, welcome back, everybody. Uh, so now we've moved on to what? I'm sorry. What is the name of this beer? The... This is Sipes Columbia, Columbia, which is I, known as the World's Fair Bach in certain circles. And it, I will tell you, this was a very fun beer to create because we had the pamphlet that I was just talking to you all about as our main source of direction. The extra pale, we had a, a lot to go on as far as what the beer was and what we needed, what, what it was going to be. We, I think it was probably pretty much exactly as it was 130 years ago. 
What we knew about the Columbia is we had a picture of the bottle from the 1893 World's Fair, which I can show you guys here. I have a, um, that pamphlet on my computer. And we had his great description of the beer, which is the following, and I will read it to you. The Columbia is likewise a beer made from pure malton hops, thank goodness, <laughs> a very dark in color and of unusual strength. For convalescents and persons whose bodily infirmities have rendered them physically weak, there is no better tonic and no better health restorer. You heard it here, folks. This is, this is it. To the worker with brain and muscle, it That's is me. equally valuable, as it is an absolute repairer of the daily waste of him who sweats with his brow and frets with his brain. That's exactly me. <laughs> this is why I love this beer so much. That makes sense. They're right. Absolutely right. You are restored. <laughs> I do. I do feel really restored as I drink this. And by restored, I mean it's just delicious and I love it. <laughs> I really do. And we've talked about... Again, this is uh, we Brandon. You had just mentioned I was listening to an older episode on the way here uh, about insert Tony's lager uh, recaps mm-hmm. about how I hated lagers for a long what? time. Mm-hmm. Tony, yeah, yeah, it's it's not like that anymore. Okay, uh, sure. Box and dark <laughs> lagers are what made me realize I do like. I'm gonna. I really just gotta find a way to not bring that up anymore. But it's true. Like this specific style is. Exactly, and Matthew was talking with us as well when I brought that up. He agreed that like dark, he enjoys dark lagers, and I, I just this is a really good beer. I like the sweetness to it. It's still refreshing. Um, I mean, the ABV doesn't hurt either, um, but it's still like it still drinks as a refreshing beer. Like I could have. I know they're in 16 ounce cans, but I could easily have two of these like in a sitting. I wouldn't like slam them right away, no, like, you'd like enjoy the, them. Uh, the extra uh, pail. But this I could sit here, unlike other like dark beers. You know, if you have a stout, sometimes you're just like, okay, that's enough. Right. I don't know if I want to have more, unless you're going to a specific beer fest. But something like this uh, is this is I as much as I know that you know the pail is your your baby we can all have our favorites <laughs> this is my favorite this is i mean i haven't <laughs> yeah, had a half of but this is this is my by far my favorite beer that you guys have, have, have done and it's so delicious i'm so glad and i totally agree with you i think this my husband has given up drink eating dinner so that he can just have two of these a night because like you he just thinks they're like that's so like that's so not. delicious <laughs> i don't know if my wife would uh be okay with it but you know it's he's, drink, he's not wrong drink your dinner yeah, it's fine. exactly I'm still gonna do work in the garden liquid there's yeah. there's vitamin yeah. d in here um but yeah i absolutely agree i think what makes this beer um so delightful is the finish um, it is just really easy to drink and i think a lot of people equate dark lagers with something that is really syrupy and sweet and that's just not the case and certainly not the case with this one not at all there's a nice like sweetness up front slight bitterness in the back but still like and it's not like it's not bitter it's definitely not bitter like the pale um it's just enough to kind of like start with a little sweetness then there's like this i'm gonna channel dan here aqueousness that kind of rolls through my tongue but also a nice like light medium body and then there's that slight bitterness and then it's done and it almost is like it's drying at the end yeah. where you want to go back in for another sip. Yeah, it's a great way to describe it. It's not there might be like a slight roastiness to it, but not roasty in the sense of like a stout or something that's really focusing on like a roasted malt. It's just I, I don't know what you guys use in it. A little uh, bit of roasted malt. Yeah, okay, <laughs> there we go. Nice <laughs> I don't know, job. There's a little dark in there. Um 
But yeah, like even aroma wise, aroma wise, it doesn't come off like a dark, roasty beer, and it's like caramel brown. Color. It looks like a brown ale. It looks like a brown ale, and I love brown ales. Uh, but this is this is my favorite beer so far from Sipes, hands down. We'll keep them coming. We'll get you your own supply of yes, I'm Columbia. <laughs> So it was a, it was a, not only were we thinking about Tony when we made this beer, but we were also um, just really wanting, it was important to me if we started off with the extra pale, wanted to make something that was very different from that. And I think this very much is, but also sort of is, is in the same general family. Like when you drink the extra pale, it's not crazy to think that you might also be about to drink the Columbia. Yeah. The contrast between the two is... Is, is very, like, you know, there. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, you have one to go to the other, which when we uh, were talking to you at the Meals on Wheels uh, Chicago on Tap, these are the two that you had mm-hmm. with you, right? So it was, that was, like, very nice contrasting. of Like, whether you had one first and the other second, it didn't really matter because you really do get a chance to, to try and taste the beer specifically. Yeah. It's not like you're being beaten down with some hops or a sweetness or a sourness or whatever. No offense to anybody else who did those things. It's okay. It's totally fine. We're just talking about types right now. <laughs> Looking at you, Matthew. Just joking. <laughs> so this um, this beer is one that we started off, you all may have noticed just from pictures and so forth, but uh, we started off, like that picture we have on the computer right now, we started off in 2020 brewing um, and packaging in bottles because it just made the most sense, I yeah. think. Um, it's a historic beer. They didn't start canning anything, I think, until 1934. Um, however, we quickly realized that cans, I like drinking out of bottles better, but generally speaking, cans are better for beer, and you need to do what's best for the beer because you can always pour it in a glass. Um, and Conrad Sipe was just the sort of person. He was always pushing the envelope, always doing the next best thing, always... I'm an innovator in his field. And if Sype had been alive when there were cans, he absolutely would have put his beer in cans if that was the best thing for the beer. So, for example, he was one of the, he had a patent for the refrigerated boxcar because he was one of the first brewers to ship beer outside of Chicago. Chicago was drinking so much beer that brewers didn't have to ship outside of Chicago. We were drinking all our beer and then all of Wisconsin's beer, all of Milwaukee's beer. But Sipe recognized that he could sell more beer if he sold out west. Um, and there's a, a quote, I think, from the Tribune of um, someone saying that Sipe beer did more for the Western temperance movement than any sort of church mm. group because people were drinking beer, yeah. Sipe's beer, instead of whiskey, which I think we can all agree is a better choice, um, especially when you're working hard. Yeah, I mean, you know, I really don't have a lot of... Whiskey's not really refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> Tastes great. And you shouldn't drink too much of it. Absolutely not. So I think... You guys want some whiskey. <laughs> I, I think that is a... Um, I think that's an important thing to remember about Sipe is that not only... He was lucky. He made, he made his way to a city that was rapidly expanding. Um, he found his way into a, a career that had a lot of growth potential. Um, again, the Chicago Fire, although very unlucky for Chicago and for his colleagues, was 
actually from a business point of view pretty lucky for him but he was also just very good at business um i was gonna say like even from the way it sounds even if the chicago fire didn't happen i think we would still be having the same type of conversation yeah absolutely and i what i really respect about him is that he he wanted to sell beer and that's what this is all about it's about making good beer but it's also about selling good beer and he had um, was w- one of the first people to really market and use merchandising. And there's some great, um, some great uh, tr- trays with Ugh. pictures of people drinking beer and some great mugs. I do have an old school Schlitz tray at home. They're so, so cool, aren't yeah. they? I mean, I think we got to think about getting a Sipes tray going. At Absolutely. Some point. Like, well, people would get those. You know, just throw it out there. They. I, th- I think we need to look into a round two Sipes tray. We'll put sure. to- Tony and Brandon can be the, the Sipes girls. <laughs> <laughs> that would totally sell <laughs> as I shake my head now. <laughs> so I think, I don't know if I told you all this story before, but there's this great story. All the brewers were friends and Sipe was one of the older Which, generation. by the way, is, is a lot like... Sorry, like it is now. Like, it is yeah. now. Like that's one of the things that we've, we've expressed and talked about so much here on the podcast that... Especially in Chicago and surrounding suburbs, that it really is like a close like family of like everybody knows everybody, everybody helps each other, and everybody's friends, which is very nice. It's, it's healthy competition, and everybody knows that everybody's drinking each other's beers. Totally, it's such a, a wonderful industry to yeah. be in in that it's regard. I mean, if if you're really interested in getting a, a Sipes beer tray, four hundred and fifty dollars on eBay right now. That's a lot of money. That one right there. Ooh, that's in good shape. What? That's ooh, that's cool. We could we could redo that. Brandon we could have could a bake sale. That. We could sell some beer and. And I think Brandon and I could pose as that picture. <laughs> that's a great idea. The two too. ladies in the I'm those sorry, ladies are this, a lot nicer looking. This is kind of neat though. So I just I just did a quick eBay <laughs> search of Sipes, and there's a ton of Sipes stuff. There's like vintage beer bottles that yeah. people are selling. Oh, cool. Like, There's a ton. And I get it. That's awesome. One of the great things about restarting the brewing company is that so many wonderful people reach out with their own stories about um, ancestors who have these really cool stories in and of themselves. But also people will send me, I got this great message from a guy who said I, he was a construction worker. And in the 80s, he was working on an um, L stop up in the north part of Chicago and found this bottle. And he was like, oh, cool, a nice old bottle. It's in good shape. It must just be from some brewery. Put it in the back of his closet. There was no internet at that point, so we didn't even know how to look it up. And then he looked it up once the internet came around. And it happened to be once I had restarted the company. And he emailed me and said, hey, I just realized that this is your bottle. That's awesome. And I think you should have it. Whoa. And I was so thankful. And I said, well, you know, what can I, what can I uh, pay you for it? And he said, it's your bottle. I'll just send it to you. So he sent it to me. And I sent him a T-shirt back to thank him. But that was just such an example of the kindness there is in the world and also the specialness. I'm just crazy about bottles. Like, who filled them? Who drank the beer? Yeah. What? How did that bottle survive this the, whole the, time? The best gift would have been if you would have filled that bottle with beer and sent it back. <laughs> and sent it back. Yeah, and that's then, true. And then, then send me I the empty one. I still do that. <laughs> That's a lot of work just for a bottle. <laughs> but it's a fun story. Good idea. Sure, Shoot. Sure, sure, sure. Missed opportunity. So essentially, I just, um, I really, I respect Conrad for lots of different reasons. I think he was a very good person. He was very philanthropic. Um, and he 
was very good at business and I said very, um, very hard working, which I think is the most important thing. It's hard I think work that, that really matters. shows with everything that we've been discussing and what we have in front of us now in history. Like, that's that's amazing. It's a great immigration story. I think he was also a little bit silly because I love this story. So you all know Frederick Pabst. Mm-hmm. He had a beer company called... Pabst. Pabst. <laughs> and <laughs> he, he got... <laughs> Schlitz. It was called Schlitz. Conrad. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. So Pabst um, had this beer company, and he and he and Conrad were friends. Conrad was a bit older. Pabst ended up being one of um, Sipes' honorary pallbearers in his in Sipes' funerals wow. funeral. And uh, that's awesome. Pabst, I'm sure y'all know, he wasn't a, a brewer. He basically stepped in to he married a woman who was from a brewing family and he took over the brewery and the brew is originally called best so in order to make that transition work well in milwaukee they came up with the slogan he who drinks pabst drinks best to help connect that legacy so in chicago his buddy was just like oh yeah Sipes is just a little better than the kind you thought was best. <laughs> and that's their slogan. That's yeah, the slogan that's so that he has on a beer mug. And there's, I have several of those beer mugs. And oh, I love that slogan. Cool. It's so Victorian. That's awesome, actually, that's really great. <laughs> I know. I can see you guys lobbing those at each other across Absolutely. the border. <laughs> we would. We totally would. <laughs> I, did did you also bring the Hefeweizen by any chance? I sure did. did. The only reason why I, I wanted to get to that, I know we've already uh, been drinking two other beers. Brandon and I had a beer also before we got mm. here. It's a Monday night. It's, um, it's your I want to get favorite. to that because, to me, Brandon is the Hefeweizen aficionado of the Ooh. podcast. I only say that. I say that only because I, I don't mean that. Like <laughs> this guy fucking knows Hefeweizen. You like? You really like Hefeweizen? Yeah. Like I mean, I, I feel like I enjoy a good Hefeweizen. Yeah. When we're at a brewery or something, you are more apt to go for a Hefeweizen before I am, so to speak. So I thought maybe this would be Fair a good enough. time because this is Fair one enough. that I've not tried. So it's more of a... The other two I've, I've had before having you on. So I've had Exciting. these two. So now it's like... This is like a brand new brand new uh, beer. And also, you, you have brought these really cool, like perfect beer glasses for I did. It. These are absolutely oh. made in honor of Doug Hurst because he so cool. he told me when I was talking with him about what kind of um, glassware I should do. He was just like, it needs to be bulbous. Yeah. And it needs to really be able to show off the beer. And so I got the most Smell bulbous it opens up. It's perfect. glass I could. We got to use them. We got to use these. Well, unless I know you're, you got the... the I, know, I don't even know. I mean, unless you want to go in with us as well, it's up to you. I I don't want to take a beer away from Brandon. I'm, I'm making sure Brandon keeps these, and I'm, I'm going to take the box back with me, hopefully. And I, <laughs> Without him knowing. I don't. Um, I've, I've been I've been finding Hefeweizen is an in a funny beer in that it is. It's like the Red Sox or the Yankees. You're either one a fan of one or the other. He's opening two. We're okay. He's opening two. Oh, jeez. And and I feel like it's like cilantro. There's some people who yes. absolutely love Hefeweizen. Great. great uh, and other people who uh, don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel kind of the... Like, Thank you. I have a love-hate relationship with certain wheat beers, and Hefeweizen is one of them. Like, Hawker Shore, to me, was like the first wheat 
Hefeweizen beer that I ever had that I absolutely loved. And the first time I had it, uh, my, my friend and I, I was probably like 21, 22, drank two of them, and I was not in a good place. And it's just because I hadn't had something like that before. Since then, Brandon and I have tried to brew a beer that we call Two Weissmen. It's a Hefeweizen. <laughs> and Brandon has perfected it as he has for other beers that we've done in his system. Um, That's a great Brandon's name. a very good home brewer. By the way, which wish we had something to share, but we don't. But Next I'm very time. excited. Uh, I found a bottle of the pedestrian. Mm. Probably flat. <laughs> Not going to have that. Okay. So before we get into the story of this one, I want to know, Brandon, what your take is on this. I saw you go in there. Smell, taste. Um, so the first, like, it's always the smell for me. And I'm getting, like, that banana ester, like, a slight bit of clove. Um and then like just sweet maltiness, and that's kind of like what I look for, and that's what I enjoy. There, there's half of ice that don't have that at all, and I'm just not enjoyable. But like this is like right up the alley of like perfection, and like and I say that because like when not because you're a guest, because we will easily just be like yeah. it's good, and just have left. It I'm like gonna it. take <sighs> right up the alley of perfection. One hundred percent. Very big compliment. Like, seriously, Yay. like we there have been beers that we've had before. We're like it's pretty good. I don't necessarily like it for myself. That, not this beer. I'm not talking about. I haven't reviewed this yet. But there have been beers and people on here where we've, we've discussed. It. I don't. No blowing smoke <laughs> of anybody's bum here. I don't know. I don't know why I just thought of this, but there there was this article, this video that I saw. We're talking about uh, the celebrity chef Guy Fieri when he does his show, Diners, Drive-ins, and Dives. Oh if guy. he doesn't like food. He just describes the actual ingredients. It's like, oh, it's good, good green pepper in here, and you got, got the some green chi- pepper, some chicken, got the chicken, yeah. got the cheese. Good job, man. Yeah. So if he <laughs> if he describes it, he doesn't really like it. Um, that's not. Us. That's a good good clue. Uh, yeah, but what my point was too is, like now I have this this memory of like for. Uh, my honeymoon, my wife and I, our last stop, we did a kind of a, a Euro trip, and our last stop was Munich. Um, and I drank some really good Hefeweizens there. And if it reminds me of that, then I'm like, this is this is a good Hefeweizen. And I'm, I'm getting reminders of what it was like in Germany. So. Oh, that's awesome. That's exactly what we were going for. Is there more left in the can, just out of curiosity? Yeah, uh, I've already started drinking. Is this one here? Okay. Yeah. I, I can't believe how. Okay. Tony's going back for more, everybody. So this it's, is a good sign. Again, we already prefaced, like, if if we don't really like something, like, we are kind of like, hey, yeah, that's maybe not for me, but I understand what you're doing here and everything. Um, there are some Hefweizens where, I don't know what it is, it's maybe, like, too much clove that I get hit with, or too much of the banana, or maybe just however it's fermented that's just too much. For me, oh, Aggie's here. That's great. Uh, this is, aroma-wise, I get clove. Maybe a little bit of banana. But I also get, like, that bubble gum that you get from certain Hefeweizens. Uh, and it, that's what I was going to say. Oh. Yeah. Um, it's light. It doesn't feel like a heavy wheat beer. Um, this is probably, like, my one of my favorite, like, Hefeweizen beers. And it's not because we've been drinking other beers. Two <laughs> beers. We're splitting all these other beers. It's not wasted it. Tony talking. This is really good. Like, I'm... When I saw that you're, the, the, the other beer that you guys were doing was Hefeweizen, I was like... <sighs> I'll be honest, because I'm, I'm not... I used to really love Hefeweizen beers. I'm not a huge fan of them. 
as you guys saw, I drank. The, I've already poured it back to where it was. I didn't drink it all the way through, but I got pretty damn close. And I wanted more because I wanted to make sure that this is what I was tasting. And it's really good. And it does marry kind of, to me, it, not kind of, it marries clove, banana, and bubblegum that I like in a half a wise. And, and it's light and it's refreshing. And I, it's very I'm- good. Very, very good. I've never thought about this before, and I'm so glad we're having this conversation. I feel like, in a way, we're making these gateway beers not on purpose, but we have the extra pale, which really helps the IPA drinker get closer to lagers. And then we have the the, the Columbia, which is a drink that or a beer that shows people that dark lagers can be very drinkable. And then we have the Hefeweizen, which shows people, or the Bavarian, that shows people that Hefeweizens, who, you know, aren't necessarily drawn to Hefeweizens, can be, you know, just a really delicious thing and different than what they were thinking. And so I think that's what good beer is all about. It's about teaching you something new and opening up new worlds. How about that for yeah, that's philosophy? Great. That's fantastic. One of my, one of my favorite. I'm going to get a tattooed. Uh, one of my favorite uh, Hefeweizens is Julius Hector. And... These two were on tap together, or you know, I had a choice. I'd go with this just because it's local, and I it there's it is no way nowhere near not as good as that. Like, there's no reason why I wouldn't enjoy this as much as I would that. You know, so yeah, um, this is this is this is wild for me. What? So how did how did this one come to be? So this one came to be because. Um, I have, we're making all of Sipes historic beers, or we're recreating all of the brands. And this brand, Sipes Bavarian, we didn't know what kind of a beer it was 100 years ago. But we do know that a beer called the Bavarian was most likely helping immigrants in America who are from Bavaria and feel like they were at home. And sure. what better beer than a Hefeweizen to make people from Bavaria feel like they weren't that yeah. far away from home. And I think that was something special I'm starting to realize about Sipe is instead of just having one beer, he had all these different beers and they were beers that helped. I th- think they were really focused on helping immigrants just have a place in Chicago. He had the Bohemian, he had... The Hollander, he had all these beers that I think were a nice way to make people feel at home. And I would love it if that is what we can do for whoever's drinking the beer now in 2023 is just help them feel at home wherever they are. Um, so another thing that really contributed to this being a Hefeweizen is Doug Hurst wanted, as any master craftsman wants, he wanted to be challenged. And making a Hefeweizen is hard I think it's similar to making a Hellas in that regard. It's just you have to get it just right yeah. or else you'd get it Fermentation wrong. Fermentation temperatures, everything. Like We went through a couple of different iterations of our own. So It's it's really hard. And you, it, you have to recognize that all the really good beers are coming over from Germany and they're not fresh. So he really wanted to make an excellent, we call it a traditional Hefeweizen because that's exactly what we wanted it to be. And so you saying that this reminds you of the beer that you had in Munich is a massive compliment because that's exactly yeah. what what we were going for. No, and, and it it really does, and I'm not just saying that. Um, and, and the reason, I, so the, what I go for that too is, so we spent I don't know how long we, I don't remember how long we were in Munich, 
Because um, you were drinking all the good beers. Well, so we have so, and I think I've probably told this story on, on the podcast before. But the day we got to Munich, we were looking up places that we could walk to, and I was like, "Why don't we go to the place where they hold, you know, Oktoberfest? That would be fun to walk over there." And I was on Google Maps, and it's the first time Google Maps ever showed me that there was an event happening. And I clicked on it. I'm like, "What is this?" And in that park, it said. Fräuleinfest, and my wife speaks a little German. She goes, "I think that's Springfest." I was like, yes. is it, "I was like, is it their Mayfest?" And we're like, "I think it is." We got there, and it was full blown. Like the first thing we did when we got there was we got on a carousel that was mm. just a bar, we spun around, <laughs> got beers, ended up in a beer tent where we were sitting with like these sixteen year old kids. Like, that were slamming beers. Like You were texting time. me while this was going yeah, on. Yeah, well, because when the one kid was there, he was all like, oh, you love Donald Trump, right? Yeah, he's going to be... It's a the, good German yeah. accent. I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of Trump? accent is that, Brandon? Sorry, that's a random accent. Hello, you like... That's not, Hello. That's more like Yugoslavian. Now Brandon is Eastern European. Butchering my German ancestry, regardless of the fact. So this kid was sitting there, like, you know... Talking up Trump and whatever, yeah. it was just hilarious because like they were just hammered kids. Yeah. Um, but we had there, and then we visited a couple of breweries and had just really good like beers in general. But have a vice. But the the point of that story was they felt super clean, and this one feels super clean. Yeah, like, yeah. I, it doesn't feel heavy, and like it's this is the, like this is like one of the first, if only like half a wise and I had like I said, uh, it's I don't actually maybe I didn't say this, but it's. A medium light body where it doesn't feel it doesn't feel heavy like i really like that about this but i just i still can't get over like the nice blending of like clove banana and bubble gum yeah that was so hard for you and i to do like we we were leaning more towards getting that like bubble gum type yeah. flavor originally and there's only been a few that i've had and this like nails it so this is so that's three for three for me oh. I Phew, what a relief. Uh, yeah, I mean, because if it wasn't, you'd be in big trouble. I know. I tell everybody, don't buy their beer. <laughs> it's horrible. Um, what, so, is what's next? What's next now that you've you've knocked out three, right? That's three. There's only three you guys have so far? So far, yep. I say you guys because it's a collective, so. It is. All right. it, it's there's, there's, Use guys. You guys. I'll take uh, whatever you got. So, there, <laughs> so there's three beers, which are phenomenal, and if uh, anybody, is this also is it only available in Chicago area right now? It's available in Chicago land, which as you all know is quite a large swath of area, and then it's also available in the south Eastern Wisconsin. Okay. And I would like to, I think Wisconsin's a great state and I'd like for them to have <laughs> even more beer than they already have. Absolutely. So we hopefully we'll keep expanding in that direction as well as Illinois. So what's, do you have anything lined up next? Well, Tony, funny you should ask. Tony, yes. I want to know. I want to know because it's three for three for me. And I'll let you know what my rating is, by the way, when we're done of the three, where I rank them. Okay. Just to throw it out there. This is exciting. Something dun, dun, dun. to something to really look forward to. Really putting myself to. on the spot there. <laughs> <laughs> Tony is upping his own ante here. Um, we are working on a on the next beer right now, um, and it's pretty exciting because I actually have an unopened bottle of it. Ooh, this is like an exclusive. It is. It is very exclusive, and this unopened bottle has a fragment of the label on it, so I know what the beer was. Um, this was one of Sipe's 
most popular beers in the 1900s. Interesting. So it was, he wouldn't have tasted it. It was after he died. And I am working with a few different folks to figure out the best way to analyze this bottle of beer and you guys have probably already heard a bunch of the stories of how people have done this in the yeah. past drink it. Old beers, yeah. <laughs> you definitely do like, not ah, drink it tastes <laughs> like garbage this is probably a porter <laughs> you chug it and see what happens that is the scientific approach for sure but there are other delicious. <laughs> ways that are less poisonous I, I will tell you i get a little nervous about what the substance is in this unopened um bottle of beer because it's very possible i just can't help but think that it's construction worker pee that someone just tapped again <laughs> and they capped it they capped yes. it but it's very well capped i think that would be a very it's pretty hard like be hard to cap now it you could probably get away with it but back, back then, then, then not everybody had a capper tough, yeah, yeah exactly. Brad and i both have cappers and we've Totally. No, no. <laughs> so That's I, terrible. You're making great, me feel great. better. You're making me feel better. Yeah, I but think you're okay. I am. I mean, it's a long time for yeast to, sur- to survive. There, we'll see what is in this Unless it was in the bottle. bottom of Lake Michigan when it was found. So, if that would have been great if it had So been. there's a bottle that has beer in it. You don't know what it is. Something in it. Something in we it. We haven't declared that it's beer yet. I think it's beer. I, I think know the brand. Higher. We're pretty sure. We're hoping it's beer. I'm going to lean towards beer. Do you have any speculation at all of what type of beer it might be? Like yes, style? I. that is what I'm working on based off of the name and my sleuthing for sort of what Conrad was doing and what was happening at the time in Europe. Is there any way you can tell us what it was? Yeah, because you guys are okay, really yeah, cool, nice. Cool, 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 cool. And Thank also so because I think that this is Because um, something... even if it doesn't end up... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. <clears throat> even if it doesn't end up being exactly what you thought it was, it's still going to... I'm going to be honest, probably going to be an awesome beer regardless. It's going to be an awesome beer regardless. And it's also, it already exists. I mean, that's the fun thing about this. It's not a secret because we all know what the Sipes brands were. So it's just a question of in what order are we re-releasing them. Um, So Sipe made a beer called the Hollander. Okay. I also think this is important because it's a fun path to go on. So why not, a fun journey to go on. So why not bring everyone along with it as we go? Yeah. So he made this beer called the Hollander, and it was it had this big old yellow shoe on it. It is one hundred percent like hitting all of the stereotypes stereotypes of <laughs> Holland. Say that ten times um, And I think that it's interesting to think about if Sipe is is making beers that are appealing to immigrants at the time. There were a lot of Dutch immigrants to Chicago. Um, including Inglewood, including New Holland, and then also Rosemont was another enclave. And I also am recognizing that Heineken and Amstel were getting going probably about 20 years before, and they were not importing to America yet. So if you think about people who are thinking about how to sell more beer, why not have an immigrant group that you're going to sell beer that they are used to? And give it the old American twist and put I some like windmills that. on the. There you go. Put some windmills on the label and call it a day. So it's gonna, from what you're telling us, it's another type of like maybe like light log, not light lager, but like a straight up lager. Well, that's what we need. It's certainly gonna be a lager. Lager, okay. Um, Which I think is fun because that's what he was making. Yeah, absolutely. Like you already have the extra pale lager. You got the Bach. You have the delicious Hefeweizen. Right. And now having kind of like the gusto type Holland lager, I think is is that makes the most sense for the next <clears> step. <throat> Even if it might not be that, you know, what's in there. But the idea, I think you're right because of, like you said, 
targeting immigrants who are coming in to make it feel at home, that type of label kind of says what it is. Totally. Even if you guys can't figure out what is in the bottle, I think you will. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. That's fun. So you, hear, you heard it here first. There it is, man. Now so we that's just like, have to make it all happen. That world exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are we doing that? Okay, I was doing a terrible hip-hop uh, horn. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I, I feel like that also helps round out, um, you know, the beers that you you have, that, that you all have to kind of make it something that's appealing for everybody. Because I would say the extra pale is definitely a lighter, like you said, hoppy. Mm-hmm. Or like we, we've all said hoppy, like a way to bring in some of the, the IPA drinkers. That's a lighter version of, of a, a lager that's, you know, it's a pilsner to drink and it's an easy drinking beer. The Bach... Also light, refreshing, but also has a little bit it's more body to it. Yep. So yeah, I mean that's something that's like it's a real, restorer mm. of health, if you will. But I, exactly, I feel, I feel like that can't like you know this Holland style beer like can't be the end. There's no, no, no. There's no, obviously I, there's. I'm, I'm I'm just trying to think like you were saying that this will round it out, but I'm like there's got to be more. Oh, they're no, definitely going to be more. Even, Don't I was you not worry. Done, Brandon. I swear to God, four is a nice even number though. That's where I was going. A four pack, I was going right? like, like when you have like a like the first four. Like the first four beers. I'm going to rant right now, Brandon. You brought out the Uh-oh. rant for me. Uh, for awful the, here comes a rant. <laughs> not going anywhere. Here it is, the 60-second rant. Brandon's always telling me what to do. No, uh, no. I'm, I'm just thinking like as far as like when you have one thing, one beer, that's a good thing. Two beers, awesome. Three beers, fantastic. But when you got four, that's like when you've had like a trilogy of movies and then the fourth one comes out and the fourth one's like this. this is like this is going to show – no pressure. This is going to show like, hey, here it is. Like – Four different styles of beer. I mean, that that are you I talking like, like scream movies or like all the scream movies are great. Halloween, they're not all great. <laughs> Can we talk about like maybe legs on a chair, Tony? I feel like that. There might, we go. That legs might feel a, a little bit more relatable. This is the fourth leg of the chair. There we go. Or yeah, a table. A great. Wait, yeah, we're not doing trilogies. Uh, the fourth <laughs> leg because the second second one's always the best. The Bach. Um, the <laughs> So I've, yeah, I've sat on some really good three-legged it's chairs. The <laughs> it's the fourth. Tricycles are fantastic. It's the fourth leg of the chair. I just feel like four being an even number, like that is, it's it's a nice variety. Like if you sat down at a bar, and they just had Sipes beer, okay, this bar, just like we just just serve Sipes. What do you got? Well, there's four different exact styles on tap. It's just three is great. Even two is good. One is like this is what I'm stuck with. Four is even better. But even, even better. stuck with number one, you're fine. Two is great. Three is good. I'm oh, sorry. Two is great. Three is good. Four is awesome. So many numbers. So many adjectives, too. I think the, the long and short of it is Tony likes the idea of four beers, which is good. That's what we're going to have coming up here. I like the chair. Here. I like the chair. What do, uh, uh, let's open a tight house. That's a great idea. <laughs> All right. Can I, before, before we move on or, or wrap this up, I want to give, and Brandon, I'm putting you on the spot as well. We're gonna rate the three. We're not rating them out of things. We're just gonna put them in order. Nobody cares. But it's just, just out of curiosity, I want to know where you, if, if, if you had to put them in, what order you're gonna drink them? If you only had three beers instead of four to rate, and you had, <laughs> this place is the worst. <laughs> this bar is awful. Come back. No, I just want to know line. where you put the three beers. Like what you're going for first, because you're gonna in drink, my stomach. I know you're, you're, you're drinking all three, but where are you putting the three? In a glass? Oh, Jesus, man. Why play along, Brandon. Play along. Trying to make it in bad for you. Um, 
Surprisingly not. Uh, I'm going to do the Pale Ale first. Oh, the, the Pale Pilsner. The Actually, Pale Pilsner first. Um, the Hefeweizen and then the Bach. Okay. I'm going Bach, Hefeweizen, Extra Pale. All right. There good. Go. You guys are good friends. See? Clearly. You balance each We're other We're still going to drink them together regardless. Yeah. So. In a big old mix. I, I want to just p- make a quick note about the labels because I think that is a thing to note. Um. We really wanted to stay pretty close to history, making these labels, recognizing that we had to change some stuff because 19th century cursive is pretty hard to read. It looked like leaps instead of sipes. But it has been a real pleasure. We've worked with Stout to um, basically Stout Collective to recreate what the old labels would have looked like, but with a modern twist. It does look like it says. It does look like it says leaps. And um, I think the main, our main logo, which has got the scales of justice, um, at least that's what I like to call them. That is pretty much exactly how it was. It just cleaned up a little bit. And then the other, um, the actual beer labels supporting that all play pretty close um, homage to the original labels. And that's what I think is fun about the Hollander is that it's a crazy label. It's got a picture of this Dutch woman on it. It's got this massive yellow shoe and a windmill in the background and Delft tile. It's like throwing it all in there. And I think that'll be a real challenge to figure out how to make that so it's not How more obvious can we be? Everything to make you think Dutch. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, What is the Salvador? Yeah. Salvador is a really, was one of Sipe's most really popular beers. And I'm frustrated because Salvador, the copyright, is locked up by, and I'm sorry, I've had too many very small glasses of beer perfect, here. This is the perfect podcast. I want to say Polliner. But, oh, yeah, okay. Um, a German brewery that will not let other people use the name Salvatore, even though I think of it as a type of a beer, not a brand of sure. a beer. Um, so if you guys can think, maybe I can call it like... We know some people. We can we can change some copyright law, but I think that I would love to make that beer because it was the one it was the, the Salvador so export. Where's our attorney? <laughs> we Dan. need some attorneys. Dan, who's also on the show, is an attorney. We can spell it with two S's. Environmental, but we make him do whatever, things. Same thing. Do. By the way, Dan wanted me to retract some things because I, I had said some shit on an episode, but that was wrong about like last time we saw Clark, and I didn't go to the farmers market before my fantasy football draft. There it is. It's retracted. What'd you do? Knocked into glasses. <laughs> um, do you know what, what style of beer? I mean, I think what, Salvatore. I mean, if the beer was named a Salvatore, it had to have been a Salvatore. And so it probably was a Doppelbach, but it's a little bit confusing because <laughs> it's a little bit confusing because it was also an export, which means that it was probably hoppier than your average. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doppelbach. It was also lighter in color than the Columbia. Oh. And there's just all sorts of, so much stuff that needs to be unwound throughout beer history. And it's really exciting and it's also very confusing. There was a time around Prohibition when Sype just went crazy and just put like all of his logos on beers. It was like the Hollander Export Extra Pale all on one eight label. And Whoa. you were just like, what are you dudes doing? And it didn't make any sense. But I guess that was a hard time for everybody. Buy all the beers. Buy all the beers. <laughs> and then we found eBay is a great place for history digging around because we found and, and purchased 
um, a bottle that still had its label on, and it was Sipes ginger ale. So during Prohibition, Prohibition. they were making ginger ale for a time. I like that if you Google Salvador and beer, it's like, what do people drink in El Salvador? Great. That's not what I was looking for. We need a T, not the D. Unless, hey, unless we're going off the, maybe there is a huge migration of El Salvadorians. Very possible. And Conrad was like, yo, what beer do you guys like? (laughs) I'm going to make it just for you. I'm pretty sure he started the sentence off with, yo, being from Germany. Salvador would be a wonderful one. You don't know how they talk in the 1800s? Just like that. Just like that. Hi-yo. I don't know. Yo. <laughs> Without funny Eastern oh, European sure, accent yo. that you just gave us. Actually, yeah. yeah, I want I want more of the German accent you had. <laughs> you should do a whole so podcast of just Brandon in the German accent. Oh, that was fantastic. <laughs> no, don't. Okay, that's it. <laughs> uh, Lauren, um, it has been fantastic having you join us Super today. fun. Thank oh, you so the pleasure much. is all mine. So Thank you all fun. so much for having we, me. We got to do this. It was awesome to learn the history. And a sample through the three beers that uh, are readily available now. Yes. Uh, in the Chicagoland area and making its way to say northeast Wisconsin. All parts of Wisconsin, oh, but definitely starting in uh, starting southeastern. In southeastern. Parts. Yes. Parts. Um, yeah, uh, and you know we we a lot of listeners here from although a lot of listeners are from all over the place, but there are a lot of listeners in the Chicagoland area. So. Uh, Find, you guys, you'll, you'll see the logo in the the, the, the episode picture. Uh, and we'll, we'll post a link and everything. The beers are fantastic. Um, I really am like super excited that this Hefeweizen was. I was. I we was have a convert. Really, I was so worried. I'm gonna be like, I'm just gonna think it's okay. I love it. I really, oh, really okay. do. It's it's fantastic. Um, very good beers and awesome to hear the history and the story about where it all started and the beer that built Chicago. You got it. Thanks so, again for having me. What a fun night. We'll have to have you back some other time when we get the next three beers. Okay, so we'll do three at a time. <laughs> Tricycle beers. We ever just want us to come sample new stuff. You know, we're that would that. be even better. We're also trying to do that, too. We just want to get in and try free beer. Uh, try yeah. it before it's popular. We will. But uh, thank you again very much. We really, we really do appreciate yeah, it. Thank you. Brandon, thank you. love you, buddy. Love you, too, man. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Cheers. Bye. This has been The Malting Hour. Be sure to follow us on all social media by searching The Malting Hour and at themaltinghour.com. You can also follow us individually on social media. Brandon can be found on Instagram as bmdub81, on Twitter, bdub81, and on untapped as bdubdrinksbeer. Tony can be found on Instagram and untapped under Ace of Help Chicago, on Twitter, the Ace of Help Chicago. Clark can be found as Clarkowski on all three. Dan can be found on Instagram as hip underscore underscore hops and hip hops on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe, like, and rate the show on your preferred podcast listening platform. Until next time, cheers from all of us at the Malting Hour.